Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Paul Bradbury teaches on the secret revival. When I said that I would come here last week, I didn't know any of that. So I didn't come here to get cheered on or whatever he honor, but thank you. You guys don't know that after Patrick passed away, the hardest thing wasn't the death of Patrick for me. The hardest thing was the dishonor that I felt from people because of the stand I took to trust the Lord. Whitney knows that. So thank you. Thank you. Um, my whole world got changed. I lost my house and job and ministry that I'd been in for years. And God used that. And we'll talk about that a little bit for the next couple minutes this morning about how God uses things in our lives. And it's so powerful. But don't be afraid to honor people. <laughs> if you've been dishonored, whether it's a military person Anyone who suffered, honor them. Whether it's a pastor or a person, that somebody who suffered, honor them. I don't, don't babysit them. Don't, they don't want your sympathy. They didn't do it for your little, uh, they, but uh, honor them. Anyone who's made a sacrifice, honor their sacrifice. That's it. And so thank you. You have no idea. You have no idea. The years, just probably this year, things started changing for me. Tw- 11 years of feeling just completely, seeing the world through just rejection in one area of my life. Seeing things a certain way. And God's moving and doing cool stuff and helping me. And I'm a PA in Montana working at critical access hospitals. It's it's so fun, and I just am so excited. And my friend Rob, he's the one who told me, if you do something nobody else is willing to do, you'll live like other people can't wish they could live. And the Lord helped me, and he was there. Thank you, Rob. The times when God showed up in a room in South College, where he walked in the room and helped shift some things to keep me in a position I needed to be in. And I just, it wasn't that it was bad, but to, to feel... And I don't want, I didn't, I'm not trying to get honor, I, but it feels, it's right. That's right. Nobody's trying to, but it's right to honor. And so anyway, thank you so much. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to be faithful to say a couple of things. And I didn't know all this was going to be talked about. But when I called Michael, I was praying and I felt for a long time like there was a a stirring in my heart that's been there for men just because, and it's not an exclusion of anybody else. It's just, I feel like there's just a, a, a desire in me for real men who love God and who are kind of gnarly and they might say the wrong thing, but they love Jesus and they're not just, I don't know, just, they might stink. They might shoot something and they might run into a tree and break their collarbone, you know, like but they lo- love Jesus. 
And that it's just not celebrated as much as I think it should be. And so people that are like that don't have a place in religion sometimes. And sometimes they don't have a place in their own house or in their own family because they're misunderstood because they're a little wild or weird or they got some kind of wild hair back there floating around that they don't know what to do with it except, yeah, I'll jump off there. So they just do it. And they're called all kinds of names. And my sons are learning about it. And thankfully, they're in a place where people honor that kind of thing when they have a work ethic. And there's some men mentoring them that are not Christians yet, but they're, they're working on it. And the Caleb especially, um, he just weeps for these backcountry guys that he knows are just awesome guys. And they love God's creation. They just haven't met the creator. So we've been praying for the people who love the creation to meet the creator and to keep, because those guys are pretty, and those girls and those people are pretty cool people because they're out there doing some pretty cool stuff that I had never seen before. And I'm trying to get in shape so I can join in with them. But, and I will, I'm going to be skinning up the side of a hill. I got my stuff too, man. I'm ready to go. So thank you for your investment. But what I want to say is this revival it has to be a secret. It's a secret revival. And in Matthew 6, and I was going to read all these chapters, but in Matthew 6, you can jot this down or listen to it. It says, do, verse 1 through 6, in Matthew it says, and I'll paraphrase, it says, when you do your charitable deeds... When you give or you do something nice for somebody, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have your reward from them. So today, I have my reward. I've got a reward from God because it was a secret for a while. But today, I got a reward. God's not going to reward me anymore. If there's a $100 bill, that's my reward today. That's not a bad thing to get a reward from a man or a woman, but that is your reward is what the Bible's saying. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, so you say something nice, you help somebody, you, anything you're doing that's not benefiting you directly, it's, a, it's something that costs you, whether it's time, whether it's building this amazing thing, whatever it is, it's a charitable deed, it's caring for somebody. Maybe you work on tires and you fix somebody's tire for free, whatever, you're doing something, try to keep it on the down low, is what God's saying. And if you do do that, I'll reward you openly. I'm the God who sees in secret. And if you keep it a secret, I'll get, what basically what's happening is he'll get the glory. So today I can thank you for what you did. But if I didn't know you did it, who am I going to thank? God. So my heart is for there to be a revival of people thinking that God's everywhere because he is. A revival of people that think God knows that their electricity needs to be paid. And God knows that they need to get visited in the hospital. And God knows that they needed their car fixed. You, you're just an earth suit who's limp. And like Michael said last week, dead. God just inhabits you. And now you walk around doing stuff and they think God's everywhere. And they go, thank you, God, while they drive away from your 
place of business or thank you God when they drive away from your house. They have no idea who put that money in there. They have no idea who gave them this. They have no idea who's been praying for them for the last 20 years. They don't know what happened, so they just got to thank God. Even people that don't believe in God thank him all the time. Thank God. The IRS didn't catch up with me. They don't even believe in him or they would have paid their taxes. But they're still thanking God, right? Because they don't know who else to thank. And if we will in the secret place do the works of God and be charitable and kind, the public place will change. But if we do public stuff, it does, we're the, it's up to us to change it. The God, don't sound a trumpet like the hypocrites. Don't get out in the street. You got your reward. But when you do it, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. That sounds kind of spontaneous to me, which is also a problem that some men get in trouble for because they're spontaneous and risky and they just do something crazy and then everybody's mad at them because they did something crazy because they didn't think it through. And you, if you ever happen, just quote this scripture out of context or in context and Jesus will forgive you. But, you know, it's just, it is true. Sometimes you just want to do something. No one's encouraging across the experience that I've had in the church. No one's encouraging you to just be crazy. The percentage is low of the leadership going, if, you, if your right hand wants to do it, just do it. Yeah. Don't even wait for the left hand to get in agreement. If it's a goal, if it's a fire in your belly and you desire to do it before the Lord, that's what my prayer of a revival is. Not so we can have more meetings at church, so we can have more impact in public. Not so you can play golf with Christian people now. Yeah. Not so you can drink coffee with Christian people now. So that we can impact our public places because of our private lives of devotion and love for Jesus and acting like Jesus, and they don't even know who to arrest. Yeah. They don't know where to find you because it's just happening all over. And nobody knows who's leading and nobody knows who's following. It's just a revival of People doing stuff God does. For his glory. And what does glory mean? His worth, his importance, his greatness, his honor. So he gets the honor. So somebody's clapping for God. So somebody's honoring God. They don't even know why. They don't even know. Maybe they don't even know what God they're honoring. But they say, thank God my tire got fixed. I saw men sitting at their desks instead of looking at Instagram, they're praying for their place of business in the secret place. I saw people, I saw medical professionals walking down the hallway going, in this time, Lord, just let your peace fill this place. Let the shalom of God just be in this hospital and let people feel your peace. Nobody has to give you a cookie. Yeah, come on. Come on. I saw mechanics working on people's cars. You know how many hours people spend in their cars and they're handing it to you to pray whatever you want, to put whatever you want in that car. 
But all we, if we're not careful, we think that this revival is going to be, we're going to church seven nights a week. I hope not. <laughs> Jesus wanted us to rest one day and work six. Revival is work. It's doing something. It's not sitting there receiving. Receiving is resting. This is resting for everybody but the ministers. You're resting one day, and you're supposed to work six days. Well, what's happening is we think revival is when we come and rest six days, and we don't, it's not a bunch of services. It's you doing service, you emulating God, and nobody knows what happened, and all of a sudden, the level of awareness of God rises in the public place. And who cares if they come to your house or somebody else's house? It's all for his glory. And so quickly, what I want to say is, how do we do it? And I, I really, I know you said this, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to just sit here till two o'clock because I want to, I got to be on a plane at 3.30 or at the airport at least. The, when, when we understand that we exist for one reason, to glorify God. In Romans 1, God was upset with them because he said that you won't glorify me as God and you're not thankful. That's what he upset. He's not upset with your sin. He already dealt with your sin. Churches are upset with your sin. Religious is upset with your sin. Religion hates your sin. God is doing nothing else with sin. He did everything he's going to do with sin when Jesus died. He don't care about it. All he's going to do is forgive you. He already did it. Get over yourself. Repent. Or whatever you do. And glorify God as God. And be thankful. When nobody's watching. Because somebody's watching. And the God who sees in secret starts acting in public. And that's what you want. You want the school to change? Do something in secret. You want the hospital to change? Do something in secret. You want the car lot to change? Do something in secret. Or put all your effort and all your energy and all your Instagram and all your Facebook and all your energy into changing the world and see how far that gets you. How did Jesus change the world? He went in a garden and he said, do whatever you want. 33 years old. He wasn't trying to self-preservate. He wasn't self, I'll do it like Michael does, self-preservate. Make up a word. He He wasn't trying to preserve his life. He was trying to give his life. How do we do it? I'll go to Joel 2, and this is my life message. And this is why I want to thank you for that sign on that little metal box, Michael. Whoo! Man, you'd have no idea. Mm, I can't even talk about it. The reason I want it is not so I can ride a horse around and prance. I want it is so this right here can happen, Joel 2, 12. It says, in Joel 2, 12, it says, I got to turn there. You should turn there. And if you want to pray for me, don't ask for nothing for me. You just pray this right here. Joel 2, 12, 12 through 14. Joel 2, 12 through 14. You pray this for me, because this is what I want to happen to me. I want it to happen to everybody. It says, turn to me. 
with all your heart, says the Lord. In the context of this is God's the day of the Lord, like God's judging, God's wrecking some stuff. Could be that that's what's happening right now. It's a whole different subject and we won't talk about it. But his, our response is to be, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart, not your garments. In other words, secretly. Don't tear your clothes and walk around sad. Tear your heart and walk around changed. Don't, your tears in public are not near as important as your tears in private. You're worshiping this place. It's great, man. I loved it. We don't get this in my town. There's more elk around my county than there are people <laughs> that you think I'm lying. There's a few bears, some grizzly bears that might sing with you, but there is not very many people. And so you, your private stuff matters 10 times what you do right here. I'm, now, don't hear me say this doesn't matter, but it's one day for two hours, not six and a half days that really matters. Turn to me with all your heart, fasting, weeping, mourning, rend your heart, not your garment. Return to the Lord your God. He's gracious, merciful, slow to anger, great in kindness. And who knows if he will turn and leave a blessing or a judgment or a suffering? Who knows? That's what I want to talk about. That's how. So I have three words. My prayers for a 212 army. 212 is the temperature when water goes from being hot to boiling. It's a physical, I mean, something happens to the water. It was hot at 211. It's visibly changed at 212, and it starts to happen. And I think there's, a, there's that little niche of di difference when steam's coming off. You know it's hot from a distance now. It's just a little scientific, it's a little chemical reaction that starts happening and the water changes at 212. So I'm asking for a 212 army of men and women who will fast, pray, and act. For his glory, not so you can get a car and not so I can get a ranch and not so somebody else could do anything and not so you could get out of Taco Bell so you could get over to some other job, not so you could get out of the mayor's office at your dream job and down to work at the sanitation department. That is irrelevant to God. What you do during the week to get dollars. What's relevant to him is what your heart is doing when you walk into Taco Bell going, this is for your glory. Every time they eat the taco I make, let it be for your glory. Let them sense your peace. Let them understand how much you love them. Let them understand that you died for them. But we pray all the time for our paychecks. And we pray all the time for a new car. And we believe God for all this stuff. You don't even know if God wants you to have it. What if he wants you to go to jail? What if he wants you to give your son up? Come on. You're going to pray for a big old thing? Why don't you pray, receive glory from my life, receive honor from my life? You know what I tell my boys? This ain't about you. Going to that ski hill ain't about you. You know why the ski hill's open? Because Caleb said that ski hill's going to open. He prayed for the ski hill for six months. The guy that bought it 
now is like an uncle to Caleb. Caleb weeps in intercession for this guy named Chuck who owns this thing. He'll come downstairs. Dad, you got to pray with me. I'm, I don't know what's going on to me. I want Chuck to get saved. He ain't trying to have something's changing, but it's happening in my house. But if you listen to my son talk, he's invented his own language, and most of you would think he's cussing and hollering all kinds of words, and from a distance, you'd think he's a big blabbering fool. But I dare you to mess with him. If anybody's going to raise the dead in my house, it's going to be Caleb. And you will look at him here, and he's going to name all these words and crazy. I can't even say it because it'll get on the internet. And people might think I'm crazy, but I don't care what he does on the outside. I care what he does up in his room when he texts me and say, Dad, I was tempted to look at porn, but I didn't do it. We got a 24-hour rule in our house. Sin gets confessed, and a flashlight goes on sin before 24 hours is up. If you sin, you're calling Dad. If Dad sins, calling the boys. Guys, I was tempted at work today. I was tired, and I felt like looking at bad stuff, but I didn't do it, guys. Two o'clock in the morning, my son in college, and I'm not bragging. I'm telling you what happened right here. It was from suffering. And my son Zeke called me at two o'clock in the morning from college. He's like, Dad, I'm so mad. The devil's trying to tempt me to look at stuff. An ad came across my Facebook. Will you pray for me? I'm not looking at it. He's weeping. He's 19 years old. What I'm telling you is, it's a secret revival happening at my house. And that's what the Lord has stirred in me because everybody's got their suit on and their nifty stuff and they all look great. But how's your doing in your bedroom? Because I haven't been doing too good through my life. I can get up here and preach a sermon anytime. I can be powerful. I'm gifted to exhort people and encourage them. I don't need no Jesus to do that. What I need Jesus for is when I haven't slept in three days because I've been in the ER treating somebody and my emotions are weak and, my, and the two old ladies died that I liked in the nursing home and the four people I pronounced dead in one weekend. That's when I need some Jesus sitting at my office when all I want to do is something pleasurable. Just keep it real. I know none of you guys are like me. You all pray in tongues all the time and in private, and that's why your city's changing. Is it changing? It's going to change when we sit at our desk and we honor the Lord when we don't want to, when we want to take the drink. My buddy the other day is married. He just got married. He called, I told him, I said, I called his name. I'll call him Tom. I said, Tom, you got to start shining the flashlight on your alcoholism. He called me. Paul, I took a drink tonight, and then I threw it out the window. I said, that's a win. That's a win. He told his wife, he's been married for eight, week, eight months or something, like six months. He told his wife, I came home, babe, I took a drink tonight. He said it's the first time in his life that he ever confessed his sin before he got caught. He said, I couldn't believe it. I woke up the next day, and I didn't feel shame, and I didn't feel guilt, and my wife wasn't mad at me. If we quit trying to hide our sin and start trying to hide the miracles, we got it backwards. We should be confessing our sin and hiding our charitable deeds, confessing our sin and hiding the money we gave. Confess our sin. The world might actually relate to us and invite us out for coffee. Take off your little religious song and dance and costume party and let's just keep it real. And somebody might want you to come over. 
Oh, help me. Fasting, pray, and act. These three words, you got to get these in your heart. Fast, to give up legitimate things you could have had. Whether it's you could have bought a $50,000 car, you buy a twenty-five dollars just because you want to bless the kingdom. It's not wrong to have a $50,000 car, but you choose to fast. You choose to say, God, I'm going to give up something you just, that, that, that I could have. I'm just going to give it up. I could eat the cheeseburger, but I'm going to skip lunch this day just to pray for my co- company. It's no sin to eat a cheeseburger, but the company might change if we miss a few meals. Not because we have to, not because it's a religious rule. It's because our heart desires a transformation in the lives of our fellow friends and family and workplace. We want our boss to prosper. We want him to meet Jesus so we didn't eat McDonald's this morning. For the purpose, it's an offering. It's a fasted life. I'm not going to watch football for six months because I'm going to take that time and invest it in my kids so that they'll serve Jesus one day. Because I feel unction in my heart. Is it wrong to watch football? No. But it's a fasting lifestyle of this life is not my home. I don't, I'm not living so I can get a car and a house and a new boat. If I get that, great. But I'm going to act no different. And you can mark this down. And this is why I have authority to speak this this morning. I have no, I see God no differently before Patrick or after Patrick. You know what I would tell you? It's 100% safe to trust God. Those kids don't belong to me. I didn't make those kids. He made those kids, and they're a gift to the earth. And if they're here for four years or 140 years, it's none of my business. They don't belong to me, and your kids don't belong to you either. So quit praying for their safety and pray for their impact. Quit praying for them to live and pray for them to die. Not literally, don't, God forbid you ever have to go. I'm talking about their hearts to be wrenched by Jesus who wants to change people. Quit praying for safety. If Jesus didn't get out of here alive, you're not getting out of here alive. It's how you go out that counts. Ain't one person on this planet sucking air right now getting out of here alive. That is a frivolous, but God, I just want to live. I'm going to run. And, you know, we got people running. We got people changing their diets, all for self-preservation. That's an antichrist spirit. If you want to change your diet, do it for the glory of God. If you want to start running some more, do it so you can last a little longer and rescue somebody and help them. You want to pray something for you? You want to pray for my boys? Don't pray for their safety. Pray for them to have an impact. And if Caleb dies today and Chuck gets saved, I'm good with it because Caleb's going to heaven. Isn't that the reward? My 86-year-old grandpa, my mom's dad, he told me, he said, Patrick got a way better deal than me. I had to live here 86 years, and he only had to do three. He got the same trophy. Jesus. Jesus is the trophy. It's not a Porsche or some kind of ranch or something. If he gives you a ranch, it's for his kingdom. If he gives you a car, it's for his kingdom. It's not so you could drive around. You could drive around in a, trust me, I've done it, in a $900 Jeep Cherokee that the windows won't roll down. You could drive around in anything. 
The point is his glory and his fame and his honor and his beauty and his majesty. It's not your church or some service or some self-preservation so we can live longer. And that is not an excuse to go out and die of a heart attack. Because then I got to deal with you at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying go be lazy about the things that God's put in your heart. I'm saying do it for God, not for you. Do it because he said this is the way you should eat and drink and be and live your life. This is how he said, and I want to honor you. Not so I can have a few more minutes on this stinking planet deciding if I'm going to take a vaccine or not. You know what I'm saying? That's not why we're here. We're here to glorify God, not to try to figure out all this stuff. And you start acting like that, people notice. People notice. They don't even know what they're noticing. But you can tell them. The the second is pray. And I don't mean praying for you. I mean praying in devotion to God. Does it matter? I'm not saying don't pray for a new house if God put it in your heart. But do it for him. Devotion. For the sake of connection and intimacy. Not for the sake of getting something. All these things are going to be added to you. Quit praying for them. Pray, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to make an impact for you. I want to disappear. Show me how to live and disappear at the same time. That's the prayers. I guarantee it will get answered. I can't guarantee you're going to get the Porsche, but I can guarantee if you say, God, I want to know you, you'll know him. The last thing is act. And I'm talking about, and I could go on and on. I've been chewing on this. Some of the people that knew me from years ago, this is something that's been chewing in my heart for years. I could go on and on about this. But act. Do the right thing. You know what Jesus did in the garden? He didn't do what he wanted to do. He did the right thing. What's the right thing? Whatever the Father wants. You know what the Lord told me while I was preparing for this? Paul, tell them it's none of their business. It's only about the family business. There's only one business. It's the father's business or the family business, however you want to say it. It's none of your business. He even told the disciples, if he lives all the time and I kill him tomorrow, none of your business. Michael preached last week, if I pay this guy 100 bucks for one hour and I pay you 100 bucks for 100 hours, it's none of your business. It's my business. I'm the father. I'm God. And I own the business. If you want in, you're in on my terms, not on your terms. Do the right thing. No one can tell you what that is. If anybody tries, they're a liar. You have to hear it. You have to hear it from the scriptures. You have to hear it from God to do the right thing. Because I don't know, sometimes on Monday, this is the right thing. And on Tuesday, that's the right thing. Sometimes it's right to do this. And sometimes it's right to do that. Sometimes it's right to save and develop discipline and build discipline into your life over 20 years. And sometimes it's right to write the check for everything. Whatever the Lord's leading you to do, you got to do it. You can't do what Michael's doing. You can't do what I'm doing. If you're trying to find somebody to copy, you got one guy. His name's Jesus. He didn't last that long. If you know what I'm saying. 
You get around God, you're going to die one way or another. Physically or spiritually, you're gone. And then you get a trophy. Jesus. And Jesus gets a trophy too. You. That's what he died for. He died for you. He died for the, the trophy Jesus gets is you and me. The trophy we get is him. And then why are we fast praying and acting? I don't know. Joel said, who knows why you're fasting and praying and acting? Who knows? Well, that doesn't lead us anywhere. Oh, I like that. I like my odds. Who knows what God's going to do if you fast and pray and act for his glory, not for you. If you're Joseph, probably get thrown in a pit, go to jail, and end up saving the very people that threw you in the pit. You know what you're going to say at the end of that story? God's God, Genesis 45, God sent me ahead of you so I could save you. And that makes me want to cry. I already cried a lot, so I think my tears, like I've been crying all week. You meant it for evil, he meant it for his glory. What's the difference to me? Joseph didn't change. He was the same guy in prison that he was at Potiphar's house. He honored God in prison. He succeeded in prison. The Bible says, if you, if you, this book of the law doesn't depart out of your mouth and you meditate in it day and night, you will succeed at everything you do, even if it's going to prison. You'll be a success in there. Not for you, for his glory. You can give God glory anywhere. That's why they can't stop a revival that's for his glory. They can stop a revival at this church. They did it. They shut down churches, or so-called. But they can't shut down charitable deeds in secret. They can't shut down. They can't shut me down in the ER at 2 a.m. I can pray whatever the heck I want over that lady. There ain't no supervisor there. They don't wake up that. The rule keepers don't wake up in the middle of the night. If you ever want to get away with something, work the night shift. <laughs> All those important people, they're sleeping. Anybody who's a little gnar knows what I'm talking about. I love working the night shift. The supervisor's in bed. You can get away with almost anything, good or bad. I love it. Call me in at 1 a.m. anytime. I, I told them when they was renewing my contract, I'm like, hey, is there any way I could just work night? Like be on call every night? Don't have to come in during the day? And I know the hospital guy, he's a friend, the president. He goes, why? I said, there's just too many rules during the daytime. <laughs> Get out of here, Paul, you know. I'm being honest. What I'm saying is, in secret, there's no rules. Against love, there's no law. You can't make up, you cannot love your neighbor. You can't legislate that. You can't legislate kindness. It's secret. A secret revival, not a public one. It's going to be public. It's going to change, but nobody's going to know who's in charge. Jesus is going to be in charge. And they can't find him. They're trying to find him when he's here, and he kept disappearing. Maybe you're Joseph. Maybe you're Esther. Your assignment was beauty treatments for two years. In our church day and age, jo the Josephs would be mad at the Esthers. Why do they get beauty treatments and I had to go to jail? Yeah. For his glory. Yeah. That's why you went to jail. 
Why does she get to go have beauty treatments? And he gets to go work at the White House. And I have to work at Taco Bell. That's none of your business. The only business you got is the father's business. Well, you can say that because you did. I didn't choose my profession, and I didn't choose where I'm at. And anybody who knows my real story knows that it's a miracle. I'm in the profession I'm in, and, and, and I don't even know what to say about that. So you could say whatever you want about me, but if God wants me at Taco Bell, that's where I'm going to be because right. I exist for his glory, not so I can get something. What I want is Jesus to look at me one day and go, I'm proud of you. That's all I want. Why am I believing for a ranch? Because God told me to pray for Deep Canyon Ranch. So I drive past it and I go, you're the God who moves mountains and it's gonna, yeah. It's not for me. All that is is work. Whitney and I sat on a date last week. We're like, man, it, God put it in our heart again to pray about it. And she's like, we're like, man, this is going to be so much work. It'd be so much easier just to go to work and work a job, man. It's so much easy. Maybe you're Daniel. You get thrown in the, lion, the lion's king just because God wants to mess with the king all night and prove that he's real. What's it to you? Daniel gets put in the lion's den. The king fasts all night, troubled by God, basically goes, you're God, Daniel. <laughs> Your God is, he's real. Who cares how they find out God's real? Sometimes we do. Religion cares. The Pharisees care. But the men and women of God, they don't care. However you want to introduce the king to yourself, throw me wherever you want. I'm, I'm, I'm already died. Ananias, this guy was faithful to God. What does he get? Hey, I want you to go uh, talk to that murderer. Paul, I blinded him. Ananias, when he found out God blinded Paul, he was probably like, way to go. I've been praying for Paul to get blinded. No, I want you to go talk to him and give him his sight. Do you, read it in Acts. God, hold on a second. He's a murderer. I was like with you when you said the blinded thing. Now you want me to go give him his sight back so he could kill us some more? For your glory. He goes over there. Tell him about the things he's going to suffer for my sake. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but I don't find the Bible where you get to live and have a happy, merry life. And I mean, I'm not saying God doesn't want us to be happy. I'm not saying don't ask God for miracles and yeah. powerful things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it's for his glory. Don't misunderstand me and think, oh, Paul just wants us all to be poor and all this. I don't care. All of you can have a million dollars. I don't give a rip. I just want God to receive glory. Maybe you're Paul. God had to lock you up so you'd stop visiting people and write it down so we could read it 2,000 years later. Because you were so bulldog determined, you would have got there no matter what. So you go to prison, dude. I need, to, I need Ephesians to get written. What if that's true? What if Paul was so determined to get his job done, he'd have got to Rome and never wrote Romans? We'd all be screwed. We wouldn't even have Romans. The only people that would have got Romans were the Romans when Paul came to preach. 
So God, what if God locked him up? Does that offend you? Better not. You don't know God if that offends you. As he will lock you up for his glory. And if he fails you into getting glory or he succeeds you into glory, it's none of your business. It's his business. His own son. This is how you treat your son. Woo, you think you're going to get better treatment? Hey, bro, you know what we're going to do? We're going to send you down to earth. You're going to get tired and hungry and all this stuff you never experienced before. And then they're going to strip you naked. The guys you made, you know those guys you created? They're going to strip you naked and laugh at you and beat you up. And, stri- and then you're going to, even the night before, he's like, Dad, is there any way we could do the different plan? Is there any chance I don't have to get beat by these little peon dudes that we made? Well, he didn't say that. That's probably what I would have said. That's why he didn't ask me to do it. I would have went to the cross, and I will. I promise you, I'll give my life, both alive or dead, for that God to get glory. But I would have acted a little different than Jesus, probably. That's why he didn't ask me. Well, also, I'm a sinner. But can you imagine it's God's son? Whatever you want, Dad, it's for your glory. I only do what I hear him, what he wants me to do. I only say what he wants me to say. Jesus didn't even have a house. Don't get mad at God if you don't have one. Quit comparing. Just love God. Honor God. Fall in love with God, not this earth. And who knows what he'll do. And you know, we love that when we're talking about God's going to bless you. What if you end up in a lake searching for your son? I was searching for my son. And I had planned to say this before I even knew you were saying this stuff. Never told this publicly. Told it to friends and a few people. I was out in the water. I'd had, I get to the lake. I see Patrick's shoe. Big tough me. Thought I could save him. Because I have training. Right? I start searching. Doing like a grid search that's called. You make little S's and you don't miss anything. And I'm bobbing down, and I'm going, bobbing down, going, going, where I thought the current would lead it. I get to a spot where I can't touch anymore. And this is why I serve God. Get to a spot I couldn't touch anymore. I've never been suicidal. I never wanted to die. I was done. I'm out. I can't go back and tell Whitney. I didn't know Whitney had a word from the Lord searching along the bank. I didn't know that. I thought I have to look at my wife and tell her, I can't find the sun. And here's all the questions. This is what's going to happen to you or it has happened to you. How could you let this happen? How could you do this? How, why didn't you? You should have prayed more. You should have done this more. The accuser's going to sit on your shoulder and it's going to be real. If you would adjust, if you would adjust, if you would adjust, why didn't you? You should have. If you would have gave that offering, if you would have done this, And it's going to be real. Some of you, it's already been real. Death came on me, man. I was ready to die. And then, only thing I can say is the word of the Lord came to me saying, and I don't know how it happened. 
I don't know how to explain to you how dark it was. I don't know how to explain to you how heavy it was. But something came right here. Something touched me right here. And he said to me, this is for my glory. And I said, if it's for your glory. And I swam back to shore and sat down. I didn't look another minute. I didn't know what else to do. And the peace of God came over me, man. And it hasn't left. And that's what I'm carrying. That's what I'm bringing here. This is for my glory. That's all I got. What do you want me to do? I have no idea. But stop thinking that God's going to get glory from your success. He might get glory from your failure. And it's none of your business. And people are going to turn away from the Lord the more weirdos get elected and the more laws they pass and the more the Antichrist spirit fills the earth. We love the other parts of the Bible. We don't like that one. People are going to die for their faith. And if you're offended at God, you're going to miss heaven over some stupid car that you've been praying for. And I can't believe it. I'm walking out on God because he made my life hard. You're here for a minute. You're in eternity forever. It's not going to be hard in eternity. It's going to be awesome. Don't be offended because God isn't like you. Don't be offended because he has a plan. Who knows what he's going to do? You know, I told the boys, say this and I'll be done, but I have to say it. I told the boys, I said, guys, it's 100% safe to trust God, 100%. God wasn't off getting a Coke when that happened to my son. I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't off getting a Coke. He was there. He's a very present help in time of trouble. And, and a guy came to my house the day after it happened. He had just lost his son in Iraq eight days before he was coming home. And he said, I'm happy for you. That's what he said to me. He said, you'll understand in a year. He said, because you're going to see a side of God you never saw, Paul. He was crying, and he hugged me, and then he said in the other ear, I'm so sorry for your loss. But he had just walked through the grace of God when he lost his son in Iraq. He said, your life's about to change, bro. He was about a 65-year-old crazy guy. That, you know, just, I don't mean crazy like, like diagnosed. I mean like he believed in a God. He was like, I'm happy for you. You know what my son said two years after at the Thanksgiving table, what's, what are you most thankful for? That my brother died. I'll really make the dinner better. <laughs> That's honestly what my son said because of what happened in his heart over those two years. I mean, I may never come back here. Michael might hate me. I don't think so. I'm just saying, I know he won't hate me. But this revival is going to cost you if God gives you your dream, it's going to cost you. If you're going to see revival at your workplace, it's going to be a private sacrifice where nobody's watching before the Lord. And God's going to get glory publicly. This ain't about us. It's for his glory. How do we start? We got to return to him, for him. I'm not coming to pray for me. I'm coming to pray for him. 
because I want to be with him and I want to know him and I want to act like him. We return to the Lord so we can know the Lord, not so we can get something. We have to shift or we're going to be disappointed. Are you saying I'm not going to get anything? You're going to get so many things. I know that God shows up, and some of you guys do too. Don't forget about him. Don't forget about the God who shows up in your best moment and your worst moment. Don't forget that. That's why you're doing it, is because he comes, not because you get a certain outcome. And, and we have to stop, and I really feel like this is important. We have to stop being offended at Esther while we're Joseph. We got to stop that. Yeah. Yeah. Esther got beauty treatments and Joseph got prison. Both of them were put on their place for such a time as this. Right. You sort that out, you're never going to sort that out. Mary, be it unto me according to your word. What was she signing up for? A life of suffering, a life of somebody making fun of her because she had a baby out of wedlock. And then ultimately you get to stand there with the, you finally figure out this guy's the son of God and now he's stripped naked? And you gotta watch your son. And you think you're better than that? You're not. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to invite you into eternal life. Eternal life is a type of life you get when you meet Jesus. And this life no longer matters to you. Eternal life doesn't happen when you die. Eternal life happens when you receive the eternal life of Jesus in you. You start caring about things differently. And that's what I'm praying for. And that's what I believe God put inside of you. And that's what I think is getting raised from the dead. I think you are raising something from the dead. But it ain't Patrick. It's for, this is for my glory. That's what's being raised. That's what got raised in the dead in me on Sunday morning. When you called me, the Lord's like, Paul, Whitney knows, I don't, I I thought this was over for me. I don't want to, I have no desire. (laughs) I don't mean this to be mean, but I have no desire to get involved in church stuff again. Zero. Zero. I love these guys and I love these guys and I love these people, but I don't want to, I have no desire. I'm not trying to get on no stage. You can believe it or not. I like being nowhere and not having to deal with all that and not having to, and just get to pray and do my thing. And I see miracles and God's helping me and that's what I like. I like that. I don't want to be up here. It's not, I'm not praying, God, let me have a speaking career or something. It's not what I want. I'm praying. Will you just receive, I'm here for you. I walk to that hospital almost every day and I say, I am here for you. Because I get frustrated about their stupid rules and their dumb garbage and all the idiots who are, my toe hurts. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm, your toe, you got toe pain for two years. Don't come at three o'clock in the morning. Nobody cares. Come at 9 a.m. when the clinic's open. Just a little inside. Now, this is the, you see what I'm saying? My back's been hurting for four months. You decided 11, at 
2.45 in the morning, that that's the perfect time to just roll up in there. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Now you're getting, this, this is the stuff that has to die. You know what I'm saying? We all got stuff that has to die. So I go there and I'm like, Lord, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I want divine appointments. I want their lives, I want them to feel your presence. I want them to see a difference in me than the other people. I want them to have a connection and a connected to God. God told me one time, he said, I didn't say you had to pray for the sick. I said, put your hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I've been touching every patient since then. You have a good day, sir. You have a good day. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you're going to recover. And I'm not talking about physically. I do want you to recover physically. But I want everything that the enemy stole to be recovered. And the Bible says, if I put my hands on you, you'll recover. So I've been touching patients during COVID. Ooh. The enemy tries anything to get us disconnected he, from God and from each other. It's about a connection. Jesus didn't come here so he could get something. He came here to connect with us so that we could touch him and he could touch us because we were separated by our sins. And everything the enemy throws into the earth is to try to disconnect people so we don't touch each other and we don't love each other. We don't have compassion for each other. So anyway, you can tell I kind of care about this subject. I want to read one more scripture, John, Jeremiah 5. It says this. It says, run through the streets, and if you can find one man, you read this, 5-1. Run around through the streets, and if you can find one man doing justly and loving truth, I'll pardon the city. One man. You think your life don't count? It's a lie. God says, just because you're in the city, I can do stuff that I can't do when there's no Christians there. Just because I'm in Shoto, God can do stuff that he couldn't do if, I, if my family wasn't there asking him to. We are the astronaut suit for the astronaut. We're not the astronaut. We're just the suit. Get yourself out so that he could get inside you and start doing stuff. He's trying to kill you. So, he, so his glory can be revealed and his kingdom can advance. If, he can, if I can find one man. I've spoken this before when you guys were at the other building, number 1648, a plague had broken out because the people were murmuring against God and God said, if you guys don't stop, I'm going to destroy all of you. A plague broke out. You can read this. Thousands of people were dying. God told Moses and Aaron, get away from these people so I can destroy them. You know what they said? You know what Moses told Aaron to do? Run to the altar, get some fire, and go stand between the living and the dead. And when he did, you know what the Bible says? The plague stopped. The plague stopped. One guy standing after he went to the altar and got some fire. Jeremiah 5, if, if back in the New Testament when Paul was writing while he was sitting in jail being blessed, you know, being blessed in jail for the glory of God. Just kidding. I'm not making fun of being blessed. I want to be blessed, but I want, the, I want you to get a point here. He said, 
if sin entered the world by one man, then forgiveness enters the world by one man. One man. Next time you're looking in the mirror and you call yourself an idiot, stop. Read Jeremiah 5 and go, you know what, God, you can find me. When they run through the streets, they're going to find somebody. You know why? They were so busy doing stuff, they didn't, they didn't even know they were there. Nobody knew where Ananias was. What about Anna? She prayed for 84 years waiting for Jesus to come. As soon as Jesus came, she's done. What's it to you? And I know I took some time, and I'm sorry, and I didn't know all this was going to happen, but I didn't come here. I just, I didn't come here because I wanted to. I, I like seeing my parents, but they know it's been three years since I've been here. They came and see me. I like Montana. I came here to tell you this. It's not, it's none of your business. It's the family business for his glory. It's the father's business. Oh, my marriage is hard. Give him glory. My kids aren't lining up right. Give him glory. My money's not where I want it to be. It's for his glory. Things start changing when you start living for his glory. Things start lining up and shaping up and God just starts doing stuff. Wherever you are, you'll have favor, even if it's in jail. Lord, I, there's a lot of things we could have done, but Lord, I just pray over this place and I release a resurrection of this is for my glory. That's, what, that's, that's why Patrick died. If we want to bring Patrick into this, Patrick died for his glory. And I don't understand that. And I don't even care. I know that that happened. Patrick didn't belong to me. I didn't make him. You made him. Nobody in this room made their kids. Nobody in this room made themselves. We don't belong to ourselves. Everything we've been given is because of you. Everything we have is because of you, and we give it to you now. If you want to live or kill it, it's none of our business. If you want to do something this way or that, it's none of our business. It's your business. And if you feel an unction in you, be, very, be cautious what I'm asking you to do because I believe it's powerful. And I believe a revival's coming to Knoxville. I've been here for 20-something years praying for this. I believe a revival is coming through that guy right there. One of the guys is going to be that guy right there and that girl right there that stands up here for his glory, not because they did something nifty. It's because they were chosen by God. And who, what's it to you? What's it to me? What's it to them? If you feel an unction in your spirit that you could say, God, I'll do what Jesus did and what Daniel did and what Joseph did and what Esther did and I'll either get, I'll take the prison or the beauty treatments. I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to get offended. I just want to live the rest of my life for your glory and your fame. I just want you to stand up with me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I believe you. I believe that the rest of your life is going to bring glory to God. 
And the Lord says, love not your life even unto death. Love him. Seek his kingdom and he'll add stuff to you. So as we close, I just want to pray for you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for this congregation, for me, for my family, for my sons. God, I ask you for a revival of people doing stuff when nobody's watching, saying stuff. That we, God, I ask you for, a, like, the CIA, CIA has nothing on the church. That, I mean, we're everywhere. You can't, we, you, yeah, I opened a laundromat, but it's not for me. It's for the kingdom. I got a coffee shop. It's not for me. My paycheck is secondary to his glory. My progress is secondary to his glory. Yes, do I need a paycheck? Yes, there's nothing wrong with millions of dollars. There's nothing wrong with impacting nations. People in this room are gonna impact nations. There's something wrong with living so you can preserve your life and so you can get a car and so you can get a house. The heathens can do that. There's atheists who have millions of dollars. That's nothing. Lord, we acknowledge today that the only thing we can't do without you is give you glory. We need you to give you glory. And I ask you to fill this room, and I ask you to fill every room of our heart, closets and doors. I want you to say this right now. God, go into every closet, every door, even the ones I haven't been in. Just go in there. Fill my mind. Fill my heart. Fill me. Go into the closet I haven't even opened up in 20 years because I'm so scared to go in there, I don't know what's coming out. Go in there and get that monster for me that I've been holding back. God, go into that area that's all dusty that I'm ashamed of, that I haven't cleaned up in so long and I haven't repented of that and I haven't dealt with it. Just go ahead and go in there. God, my prayer is a revival of confessing our sin and hiding our good works. I pray for a revival of of saying, I am not perfect, but I know a man who is, and he's awesome and powerful, and he loves you. I pray for a culture where when people come and say, hey, I'm battling some sin, that they're celebrated, not tolerated. Because it won't last long. Sin can't live when you shine a light on it. Jesus is the light of the world. When he came, sin got destroyed. Just shine light on your sin. It won't last. It's like a steep old crappy bacteria. Shine some light on it, it starts dying. Put some heat to it, it starts dying. When we hold it in the dark places, it lives, it flourishes, it controls our lives. And the enemy has tricked us. We'll talk about our prayer and we won't talk about our sin. I'm calling for men and women. Let God into the closet. Let him into every room. Let him into every nook and cranny. Let him shine flashlights on it and light a torch to it if he wants. If he wants to burn it up, let him burn it up. If he wants it to grow, let it grow. If he wants it to prosper, let it prosper. If he wants to kill it, let it die. Your will be done for your glory, for your fame, that the nations would know who you are, that the nations of the earth would know you. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I believe 
This is a, pro- a private thing. And I believe if you'll go to God in private, he'll meet you. Thank you for standing. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your patience. I'm sorry it took a long time. Part of me sorry, because I know you didn't plan that. I really mean that. But I'm not sorry for the, coming here, and I'm not sorry for trying to carry this. It's a costly seed for this one. And I'm going to my grave fighting for this right here. This is all I care about on the whole earth. All I care about is the king of glory receiving glory. I don't care if I live. I don't care if I die. I don't care if I go bankrupt. I don't, I hope I, I don't care. I don't care what happens to my kids. And you can call me crazy if you want, but I don't care. They don't belong to me. They belong to the one who was, was and is and is to come. You could say it's not true or not, but I walked it out and I will walk it out again if he gets glory. You can have them all, God. I, I, you can have them all. You can have it all. Amen. I don't care about lunch, Michael. I want to get somewhere here. Just start saying, God, you can, if you got it in you, you can have it all. You can have it all. You can have it all. Whether we don't understand this message because even in, in our lives we make these covenants that we don't mean. Make a covenant you mean. You can have it all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for resurrecting this in me. Thank you for resurrecting this in me, God. Thank you for stirring me. You can have it all, God. I pray over the church that we would stop trying to build ourselves and we would give him glory. I'm not saying don't change things and remodel. I'm talking about that's one day a week. I'm talking about your life, your secret life at your desk, in your car. Give him glory. Give him glory. The Instagram post isn't as important as, get, as knowing him and walking with him and loving him and abiding with him. You're not going to stand before your friends on Instagram to determine how good you did. God's not going to like your post. He's going to look you in the eye and he's going to say, well done, or he's going to say, depart from me. And we're, this little teddy bear God that you think is going to come and save you, he's coming as a lion. You want to meet him as a savior. You don't want to meet him for the first time as the judge. Trust me on that one. And there's, a, there's, a, there's an awakening. Part of this year has been an awakening of God's people to squeeze us so we could find out that fear was in us and selfishness was in us and all this stuff was in us and we're, we lost a few days at work and we lost this and our little comfort, we have to wear a mask and we're crying about it. What happens when your son's being martyred?
and he's going, don't do nothing, Dad. Let me take this for Jesus. You know what my dream for my sons are? That. I don't want them to die, but I'm going to say, I'll take it for Jesus. I'll do this for Jesus. I'll take 10 million for Jesus, and I'll die for Jesus. It's irrelevant to me. I just want to serve him, and I want to honor him, and I want to love him, and I'm not going to pray about anything but knowing Jesus and loving Jesus. When I get that right, all this other stuff, you want to get stuff, just start knowing Jesus. The revival that's coming is for a remnant, kind of. It doesn't have to be, but it probably is, because it's easy to stand here, and it's hard Maybe. <laughs> but Whitney and I talk about it all the time now. We hear songs and we go, man, I wonder what they had to go through to write that one. Yeah. Yeah. You don't write a good song without getting kicked in the teeth. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You don't write a good book without going through. Nobody wants to read the, the nifty book about the guy who never had an injury. And he, was, he went to the best school and the best college. He never sprained his ankle. Now he's a pro. Nobody's reading that book. They read about the guy who got shot in the leg in ninth grade and he rehabbed and he got to the Pittsburgh Steelers and won a Super Bowl. You'll read that one, but you don't want to be that guy. And God's calling for you to be that guy. He's calling for you to take your suffering and take your pain and make it an offering and give it to him and he, for his glory. I saw him one time, he went out to a dumpster. He said, Paul, I get all the stuff you threw away and I recycle it. All those years you want to throw away, all those mistakes you made, he'll just recycle them. That's the revival. The revival is a secret revival for the glory of God where you disappear and he gets glory. And some people are going to be ticked off at God. And others are going to worship him. It's not going to be a nifty little song and dance. That might happen on Sunday. I pray we can continue to do it on Sundays, but most of the world can't. And this is awesome. And I listen to you guys on YouTube. I don't have this. I don't have this within 100 miles of my house. Nobody's singing like this. Nobody playing like this. Within 100 miles of my house. You can ask anybody who's been to my house. But I got Jesus. What I'm saying is, this is temporary. Jesus isn't. If you base your following Jesus on what you got right here, you're, what happens when the, another virus comes through? And they shut it all down. Even in an evil ruler, Joseph can advance. Daniel can advance. Esther can do her thing. Even when they don't even know what's going on, you become an essential worker. We learned about that this year. The essential workers... They get to stay. The essential businesses, they get to stay. Me and the boy, we've been praying, God, make us essential workers. So we can keep doing our thing when everybody else gets shut down. Joseph was an essential worker. He got promoted. Daniel was an essential worker because it wasn't about him. It was for the glory of God. Sorry I took a long time. I appreciate your attentiveness, and I love you, and I'm praying for you. There's a guy in Montana praying for this place. Yeah. You guys are carrying something, and it's a revival in secret that God's going to reward openly. It's going to happen. It's happening. 
Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.